Hello there, I'm dropping into your podcast feed to, somewhat belatedly, wish you a happy new year and to let you know about some of my extracurricular podcasting activities in 2021 in case you'd missed them. Some old friends will also be dropping by to share what they've been up to and recommend a film or two. First up, about this time last year, Spencer Seams and Joel Torres had me on their show, Shoot the Piano Player, to have a chat about Jacques Tati's delightful comedy, Monsieur Hulot's Holiday. Spencer joined us to talk about Tsar and returned to discuss Ivan's childhood, and Joel was my guest for our episode about Alexander Sokurov's The Sun. Okay, here's a clip. Yeah, so Jacques Tati... Uh, I can't remember how I first heard of him. It just kind of was a thing, like, once I heard about, uh, like, Criterion and, like, Criterion-type t- directors, I just, uh, I was like, oh, Jacques Tati, that's a name I should know. And I just, I can't, like, remember, like, the where and the when. But and what about you guys? Well, I definitely remember where I heard about him. It was, like, I guess it's getting on for 15 years ago now when the second Mr. Bean movie came out, Mr. Bean's Holiday, and in the kind of press around it, um, they basically said that this was like loosely inspired by uh, Monsieur Hulot's Holiday and uh, that when Rowan Atkinson originally came up with the character of Mr. Bean, it was somewhat inspired by uh by Jacques Tati so that's that's where I'd heard of him but it's only now like years and years and years and years and years later that I'm finally getting around to seeing one of those films so hmm. uh J-Dog you well I've been a huge Jacques Tati fan for many years I have no. a Jacques tattoo Sh- shut up <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't. I I think uh, like you. Once I became aware of Criterion, is when I became aware of him because, you know, the covers for like Playtime, and even this one um, with the simple line drawing of the character, is is a really cool thing. But I never sat down and watched the movie because you know it's like a two hour visual poem, and at least Playtime is. Comes off that if way. you're looking for extra movie podcast recommendations besides Shoot the Piano Player, do check out Joel and Spencer's new show with Melanie Daniels, the Arbitrary Indiscriminate Movie Podcast, which, as you'll no doubt guess from the title, covers absolutely anything and everything. Next up, if you've been with us since early last year, you'll recall that we finished up Season 5 with Sergei Loznitz's documentary State Funeral. Our guest on that episode was Latvian podcaster and journalist Kristaps Andresens, and in February he had me on his history and current affairs show, The Eastern Border. Here's the two of us discussing the Latvian capital Riga being used as a stand-in for Western cities, as well as some pretty questionable remakes of classic Russian films. I've been promoting uh, Alistair to you on many occasions because he dissects uh, Soviet movies, and a lot of them were made here in Latvia. One of the known facts is that Riga was uh, kind of a placeholder for every European city ever. Yeah, it's like a chameleon city. <laughs> when I was in UK, uh, they still have like the thing about the... I was in the Sherlock Holmes Museum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they still hold a special place for the Soviet Sherlock Holmes series. 
which are filmed in the Riga in Yonmoku Ila in Yonmoku Street. Yeah, yeah, Vasily Livanov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was fortunate enough to visit Riga a few years ago, and you were very kind to like show me around the place. And of course, one of my first things to do was to track down like uh, substitute Baker Street, which was awesome. Yeah, I know it's 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 really cool how you've got like this version of London, except it's like the complete other end of Europe. Yes, of course. Europe is a single country. Everybody knows that. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Although uh, my country obviously is is trying hard to be like uh, a pariah state. <laughs> Back to the Soviet movies. My sure. favorite one is, uh, and that's again, that's a Latvian movie made in Soviet era. It's uh, called Breathe Deep. Okay. Alpo Yedzidi, the official name of that thing. It was made in the 60s, I guess. Uh, released in the 70s because it was very kind of controversial. It contained kind of a spirit of glasnost, to be to be true. Uh, I highly recommend that one. And I also recommend uh, A Gift to a Lonely Woman, which is all about how the Soviet person could get a car. That was fun too. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I guess it was like a, a year or so back. Uh, you recommended me a couple of Latvian films and I'm, I'm afraid I haven't gotten around to them yet, but I do have a list on Letterboxd for whoever's on there <laughs> to uh, check out at some point. My question to you is like, um, have you watched sequels, modern day sequels to those Russian movies? I haven't all the way through. But <laughs> I want I want you to suffer. I, I want you to suffer. <laughs> okay, so here's a fun one. So one of the movies I covered that's a classic from the late seventies, which is Office Romance. They did a remake. Uh, I guess it was about like ten, getting on for ten years ago. Oh no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have watched like the first maybe five minutes of that remake and I just went, do you know what? Life's too short. I am slowly dying inside by you reminding this. Right. That's worth mentioning because the male lead in the remake is is now the president of Ukraine. <laughs> yep. So, you know, interesting Speaking career journey. Sherlock Holmes, here's Malcolm Nygaard. If you've been with us for a long time, you'll remember Malcolm from our Hound of the Baskerville episode. Over to you, Malcolm. Hello to Ali and other Russophiles. This is Malcolm Nygaard. You may remember me fumbling my way through the Hound of the Baskervilles episode. I'm a big Russophile myself, uh, being very fond of the Marvel films directed by the Russo brothers, which I talk about on my Marvel podcast, MC University. Um, we release occasionally, but we're trying to keep up with, uh, the whole catalog of them. So we hope you listen if you like that kind of thing. Um, I also love talking about everything I'm watching on Letterboxd. My handle is the Oscar Grouch. So I love, uh, top hundred lists and, and, and best of the year lists and, and other, uh, big weird projects that Ellie and I have, uh, bonded over more than one time. I just hope everybody has a really good year. I know it's been tough for a lot of reasons, but um, things like podcasts and all this art we enjoy are really uh, buoying me and I'm sure a lot of other people. So uh, let's uh, let's lean on each other this year and, and be good to each other and keep making 
the, our art and our, having our conversations the best we can, um, as well as just taking care of our own well-being. And uh, let's have a really good 2022. Thanks for stopping by, Malcolm. I've always enjoyed hearing and reading what Malcolm has to say about what he's been watching. So, dear listener, go seek him out. Okay, so now jumping forward to April of last year, Matt Gerasimovich and Cameron Lalana very kindly asked me to be on their books and beverage-based show, Tipsy Tolstoy. We had great fun comparing the 1960s Soviet adaptation of Anna Karenina, starring Tatiana Samoylova, with its 2012 Kira Knightley-led counterpart. Here's the three of us discussing what a thankless task cramming an 800-page novel into a two-hour movie is. Yes. Um, so why don't we just go over a broad overview of the two films we'll be talking about. So Matt, you've actually read Anna Karenina. So can you give us like a, a brief overview of really the story? Because the, both of the movies are close enough that it's not worth uh, analyzing them individually, I think. Oh, well, con- comparing obviously, yes, but explaining the plot line individually would be a bit overkill. So plot line, <laughs> I don't know how to explain a whole 800 page book in like two sentences. Um, Come on, condense, condense, condense. <laughs> Uh, basically, the the hardest challenge for adaptation, which I'm actually writing about right now, in my opinion, is the fact that it's separated into two main plots. You have the hmm. Anna Vronsky plot, uh, obviously the one in which she has the affair with Vronsky and she's on her husband Karenin and there's this whole weird love triangle sort of deal. And then you also have the Levin Kitty plot line, which is kind of where we start and where we end. And Levin is this whole kind of... <laughs> searching for his soul and his proper way to live throughout the Tolstoy analog. Yeah, he's basically, yeah, he's Tolstoy's self, which is written into the story, which is really fun and really difficult mm. to adapt because most of it is like him reading philosophers and mowing grass for like hundreds of pages. <laughs> Hopefully that clip has whetted your appetite to check out more of Matt and Cameron's awesome show. On the subject of literary adaptations, about the same time last year, I was surprised to be asked by CBC Radio's Day 6 to comment on the micro-budget Soviet TV attempt at J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Here's me speculating with host Brent Banbury on how this may have come about. I mean, the fascinating thing is we're trying to build the backstory here and so little is known. And, and, and I love what you, what you, what you told me that, that you think that this was somebody who loved this, had a passion for this piece of property back in the nineties, but, but had to try to pitch it at a time when there was very little money available to make this kind of a film. So what do you think their pitch sounded like when they took it to the executives? What did they say? I think they probably just said, we really love this and we know that there's plenty of people out there who would like to see this because although Lord of the Rings wasn't officially published in the Soviet Union until the early 80s, so, you know, the better part of a decade before this was filmed, some is that copies were circulating in the Soviet Union from the 60s. While we're north of the 49th parallel, here's a message from two-time guest and longtime friend of the show, Martin Kessler of Flexwise Canada. Hello, this is Martin Kessler speaking. Um, if you listen to the podcast, you might have already heard me on the episodes for my friend Ivan Lapshin and Chapayev. Uh, I guess uh, some interesting things I've done this year... 
I've done a little bit of writing for thepinksmoke.com. Um, actually, there's an article that I wrote on the movies Bell and Mr. Turner and kind of getting into the art and history in both of those films and where they interconnect. So if you're curious at all, you can go over and check that out. And um, next year I have a little bit of writing coming up on that site too. I've got a big project on architecture in science fiction, so maybe someone will find that interesting. And a movie that I watched for the first time this year and enjoyed is Winter Cherry. The 1985, uh, I guess it's like a light drama by Igor Maslenikov, and um, I had never really heard about this before, but apparently this was a big hit when it came out. There's two sequels I haven't seen yet, but uh, it, it's a really good kind of story about love and loss, and um, not too heavy. Uh, I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with Yasujiro Ozu's films, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, and um, I, I thought that was a really great film. And um, if you want to Follow me. I'm also on Twitter at Movie Kessler, and I tweet about movies and stuff over there. So feel free to check my handle out, and uh, that's where I post a lot of my film writing and projects and all kinds of things. So uh, take care, and looking forward to what the new year brings. Thanks, Martin. I must admit, I've not seen any of Igor Maslenikov's work outside of his Sherlock Holmes adaptations, but that Ozu comparison has definitely got me intrigued. Next up, we have a message from one of our Season 5 guests, Sarah F. Decker. Hi, I'm Sarah F. Decker, and you might know me from the Mongol episode. I'm a medieval historian, and when I'm not on Russophiles... You can also find me talking about representations of the medieval past on modern pages and screens in my podcast, Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, I recommend that you start by listening to me and Allie chatting there in my episodes on the Vikings TV show and the film The Passion of Joan of Arc. When I'm not podcasting, over the past year, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I wrote two books. One, a textbook and sourcebook on medieval Jewish women called Jewish Women in the Medieval World will be out in May of 2022. The other, The Fruit of Her Hands, Jewish and Christian Women's Work in Medieval Catalan Cities, is an academic monograph, so maybe not the most exciting book, but I promise it's interesting, comparing Jewish and Christian women's economic lives in Catalonia, now northeastern Spain, in the 13th and 14th centuries. And that should be out in September 2022. I'll be honest, with all that going on, I didn't do a great job this year of watching movies that weren't for my or someone else's podcast. But I did watch the entire Princess Switch franchise recently, and you know what? If you're looking for that sort of feel-good Christmas movie, they're all pretty fun. Also, I have a lot of thoughts about the pre-modern religious history of these made-up countries, but I'll leave that for another day. I'll also go ahead and quickly recommend a TV show, which is that I recently read all of the Wheel of Time books and have started watching the new series on Amazon, and I really, really like it, so you should check that out. Meanwhile, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah F. Decker, and you can also find my podcast on Twitter at Media Evil Pod. 
Happy holidays, whichever you're celebrating, and Happy New Year. Massive congratulations to Sarah on those upcoming publications. As Sarah just mentioned, I was on her amazing show, Media Evil, again this year to talk about Carl Theodor Dreyer's silent masterpiece, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Here's a clip from that episode. It's just one that I'd been aware of for a few years, just as being this kind of like legendary silent film, like Mm -hmm. one of the most famous ones of the silent era. I finally watched it, I guess, I think it was earlier this year. And I was just like, okay, this lives up. Sorry, probably spoiler alert for my rating, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) this lives up to the hype and it's medieval. I'm definitely (laughs) talking to to you about this if you'll have me. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert for my rating as well. But so I watched this for the first time this week. And I often am hesitant to watch silent films. I often tend to assume that they won't be as not good, but won't be as like fun as films with sound. Mm. And really enjoyed this and felt like very engaged. So Oh, fantastic. I'm glad that yeah, it wasn't me wholly just, you know, responding to received opinion of like, this is great, and therefore I will think it is great, you know? I definitely was suspicious as to whether it was going to be the kind of thing that was like, you can technically see that it is good (laughs) versus actually something that you find enjoyable. And I think it was both. And so that was definitely a pleasant surprise in some ways. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how many silent films roughly, do you think you'd seen before this one? Very few. Not zero, but very few. A a, 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 lump, a number that you could potentially count on on fingers? Yes, absolutely. I, I am just at the point now where I have run out of digits to, to count them on. Okay. I think I'm... I obsessively use Letterboxd now, so and I am doing this kind of silly, eccentric personal project in the interest of trying to be like well watched as opposed to well read, mm-hmm. where I'm trying to watch fifty films from each decade from the twenties onwards because I feel like if I do that, okay. I'll have like a kind of good broad range of like good films that are out there yeah probably some not so good films as well and the 20s is the is the decade where i have the most work to do followed by the 30s so the further you go back the less i have watched yeah yeah i only really started watching a lot of silent films when i landed on that as a odd Mm -hmm. as i was just explaining in that clip I've been making a conscious effort to watch more films from the 1920s and 1930s recently. Until last year, I'd never seen a Greta Garbo film, so I had a great time watching her 1939 film Ninichka for all the best lines. In this clip, I discuss her character's transformation with the show's hosts, Adam Roche and Smokey. It's worth saying... Uh, she arrives and is one type of person, and by the time she leaves Paris, is a completely transformed person. She's she's convinced by romance and colour and excess and capitalism and and um, the the count. Who I agree, it's never really stated, is it, what nationality he is? I'm going to go with French too, or, or some European count anyway, played by Melvin Douglas. He manages to. Um, to bring colour to her life, and she realises yes. that when she goes back to Russia after her adventures, 
shall we say, that life under the regime is not as as wonderful as she thought it was before Paris. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's it. I mean, she she's a communist robot when she arrives, isn't yeah. she? Oh, she? She's, she's, she's I'm glorious. S- I'm so glad you said robot because <laughs> what I thought uh, of her characterization is at, be- at the beginning is yeah. she is essentially the Borg. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, perfect. Yeah, yeah. She, she's unfeeling. There's no emotions. Everything is straight down the line. Mm. Everything is black and white. It, she she is right and capitalism is wrong basically and i mean it's it's a it's a cliche but cliches are there for a reason is that obviously she thaws from a an ice cold robot woman into something more resembling a human woman so yes you know is a hugely entertaining satire and i definitely recommend checking it out along with that episode and all the rest of the all the best lines back catalogue Here's Adam Roach to tell us what he's been up to besides co-hosting All the Best Lines. Hi, I'm Adam Roach, and a very long time ago I had the honour of appearing on the War and Peace episode of Russophiles Unite. 2021 for me has been quite exciting. My podcast, The Secret History of Hollywood, was optioned as a movie, and I'm now in the middle of writing the script alongside some very prestigious Hollywood folks. So in a way, I have gently become a part of Hollywood's history myself. In 2022, I'll be continuing with my latest series all about the life of Cary Grant. I'll also be releasing regular episodes of all my other series, such as Queens of Cinema, Blueprints, and Attaboy Clarence over on Patreon, and hopefully getting to try out my new pizza oven when the weather gets better. My biggest surprise when it came to movies in 2021 was seeing The Crimson Pirate from 1952 for the first time. Now, I thought I'd seen everything, but it turns out that watching Burt Lancaster dressed as woman and fist-fighting a thousand enemy pirates was something I never knew I needed in my life. Best of the new year to you all. Thanks again for having me on Rusefiles Unite. And for anyone who'd like to know more about me, you can find me on Twitter at at MovieHistories, at AudioJoe, or over on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Thanks, Adam. So excited to hear that the secret history of Hollywood will be making its way to the big screen. One of the joys of making this show for all these years has been all the fabulously talented people it's allowed me to talk to. Here's another of our amazing previous guests, Lydia Kapp. Hello, my name is Lydia Kapp. I was on one of the earliest episodes talking with Ali about Eastern Promises, um, the film starring Viggo Mortensen and Naomi Watts. I am an actor and a writer, so it was my privilege to talk back then about what makes a good story, a good embodied story from an actor and a writer's uh, point of view. And speaking of movies, I uh, was able to work on one one of my own this past year. I actually wrote a short film that I acted in and um, is available to watch on Vimeo. It's called Peace of Park. That's P-E-A-C-E of Park, P-A-R-K. Very sweet, uh, meaningful to me at least, little film that I wrote and I hope that you can check it out. Um, As far as movies that I watched this year that were really meaningful to me, I watched an old favorite actually called Lilies of the Field and it is uh, a wonderful small story about a traveling man who comes upon some 
German nuns in need of help in the very dusty, very hard desert of Arizona. It stars Sidney Poitier, and it is absolutely wonderful. I actually got to gush about it on a friend of mine's podcast called Cinema Gush, so you can check that out as well. But even so, just watch Lilies of the Field. It's a beautiful movie about um, how when we help each other, even when it's inconvenient, we really do make the world a better place, um, and we have fun doing it, and we create communities at the same time. So check out Lilies of the Field, starring Sidney Poitier. It's a wonderful movie. Um, as far as things I'm looking forward to this year, I uh, was hired to work as a writer on an immersive theater show for my friend's company called Linked Dance Theater. They um, create amazing immersive in-person shows, uh, well, in-person when possible, in-person shows in New York City where the audience gets to interact with um, the actors themselves. And I was uh, excited to work on that. I've never written for an immersive theater show before, and that was a very challenging and very satisfying experience. So hopefully that show um, will continue and will um, be up sometime this uh, spring or fall in New York. It's called The Incomplete Collection. Um, yeah, and then my my information. My Twitter is at TallCap, T-A-L-L-K-A-P-P. Uh, the same is true of my Instagram. It's at TallCap. And um, you can find me on IMDb as well. And my Facebook, if you're interested in sending a message, is Lydia Cap Gatilla, L-Y-D-I-A-K-A-P-P-G-U-T-I-L-L-A. Um, it's been a blast being a part of this podcast, and I'm so, so happy for all of the success that it has had. Congratulations, and Happy New Year. Thanks, Lydia, and all the best with those upcoming projects. If you're into indie podcasts about movies or music, there's a good chance you'll be familiar with the work of Darren Husted. His podcast, As If, which was a minute-by-minute breakdown of one of my favourite movies, Clueless, introduced me to so many incredible indie podcasters, including Spencer and Joel, who you heard earlier. Darren's latest podcast is called Tea Hanks for the Memories. I'm sure I don't need to explain the subject matter of that one. Here's a clip from the episode on the Coen Brothers remake of The Lady Killers that I guested on. Um, whereas this film, yes, is set in the present, but at the same time, I think it is the fact that, you know, she's been a widow for 20 years and maybe she's not fully aware of, like, you know, inflation and price changes and whatever. <laughs> yes. So she's like, $15 <laughs> seems like, you know, that will bring enough money in for her, like $60 a month, you know, that's that's a reasonable amount of money for somebody who's on a fixed income. Yeah, is she partly, is she partly like, renting out the room because she's lonely? Oh. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, because she seems to sit in the, her sitting room and have conversations with her her dead husband's ever-changing portrait. So I think I'd rather be alone than have GH in my house. I'll be very honest with you. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how as as the biggest Tom Hanks fan that I know, Saskia, how do you feel about creepy, creepy Tom Hanks? As oh, he is in this I film? mean. I to me he is so creepy and like the 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 last he does I hate every time he did it I hated it and I it, it was just, it was just weird for me seeing you know like a quote unquote villain Tom Hanks that was creepy because I'm so used to him being the sort of like lovable comedic I mean or just nice character so it was it was quite different and i didn't like it (laughs) saskia watts who you just heard in that clip is a former colleague of mine in my day job 
She was one of my favourite people to discuss movies with at the office in the before times. I've been trying to sell her on podcasting for a while, and T. Hanks for the Memories just provided too good an opportunity to pass up. A huge thank you to Darren, Saskia and Antu for a very fun conversation. Okay, that's almost it for this episode, but there are just a couple more things I'd like to mention before I disappear. First, please do check out Danger Close. It's a war movie slash history podcast that I've contributed some background research to a handful of times, including most recently their Dr. Zhivago episode. Stick around to the end of that episode as it features a cameo from another previous Russophiles Unite guest, but I won't say any more than that. You'll have to hear it for yourself. Okay, last thing. Gentlemen, don't get caught. In case you missed the trailer that was on the feed for this show back in November, it's a track-by-track REM show that I co-host with Files Unite regular Lynn Seren. Seriously, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Okay, that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having and continue to have a wonderful 2022. Das Daniel, folks.